Welcome to the MCU Exchange Podcast. We are back for 2017, the biggest and best year, maybe, in the history of Marvel. We're so excited for you to be with us today. Uh, we've got lots of news and other things to talk about. Our main conversation is going to be the latest news on the TV shows that are being put into production here very soon. Uh, but let's introduce ourselves first. I'm Caleb, and I am your host today. And with us, we have Rhiannon and Adam. Uh, guys, go ahead and say hi to the people. Rhiannon? Hi to the people. I'm excited to be here tonight. Yeah, you know, you, you made a mention of 2017. As the as the kids say these days, 2017's going to be lit for Marvel. Six, seven properties, whatever. I, I'm, I'm so excited I can't feel my arms. That sounds like a problem you should have looked at, Adam. I know, maybe I'm not even excited. I might just need a schedule <laughs> appointment. Yeah. Are you sure? It probably comes from eating far too much ham. It's pretty high in sodium yes, if you haven't heard it. Exactly. I've actually, I mean, but now that you explain it, I've had tingling like in my fingers. So maybe the same excitement's going around. Well, Rhiannon, what would you possibly be that excited about? Does there, was there any big news in your life today that, that hit? I might have died and been resurrected three times today. So <laughs> like, go ahead. I'll let you do the honors. What, what, what happened today as far as Entertainment Weekly, The Defenders, and why does it have you so excited? <laughs> so, I mean, Entertainment Weekly, like, boom, just like front cover picture of the Defenders. All four of them together in costume. Luke Cage in his yellow shirt. Danny Rand in his tattoo. Matt Murdock being Matt Murdock and Jessica spray paint. Wait, no, she wasn't spray painting in this one. Um, you know, just like all four of them right there. Ah, and it was, it was, it was the Defenders. It was exciting. Um, yeah, and with that was like a video of their photo shoot, and you know, like all of the, our our favorite actors there talking. And a little write-up with it, which the first thing I saw of all of this, well, I mean, I saw the magazine cover and I saw the write-up, which had some information on the day they filmed this photo shoot and the day the Defenders first all filmed together, which, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the pictures and stuff too, but this write-up, oh my gosh, because it comes right out and says that the Defenders are going to meet during a hallway fight. and. I died. I mean, just right there on my lunch break at work, just, in, just died. And then I got better. <laughs> and then Entertainment Weekly throws at us, like, the first pictures of Sigourney Weaver and gives us her character's name, which was totally anticlimactic. She's Alexandra, and she just looks like Sigourney Weaver. Uh, so if anybody can see far more into that, I, I'm totally interested. And then, because we hadn't gotten enough, they drop like a whole set of photos. You know, so it's you know an individual shot of each of the defenders with their colors in the background, with like Matt in his red and Jessica being purple and Luke in his yellow, and then Danny being green yet not looking sickly. Which I was very impressed with, you know, getting that green ore around him without it looking like he was in a toxic dump. And we got even more. We got, like, some pictures from the series with Luke in an orange jumpsuit. We got to see Jessica 
and Misty Knight uh, looking like she's being interrogated by Misty Knight. Um, And another group shot with them on the back of a truck, which was just like the coolest little... Yeah, there's so many little details and Easter eggs in that shot of Luke, Danny, Jessica, and Matt sitting there in the middle of New York. So I, I just, it was too much. I literally, I mean, the guys know this, I literally, like, could not look at the pictures for a few hours. Like, I, I was just spacing out the news throughout the day because I had to get through my work day. And I didn't want to literally die around my coworkers. So, um yeah, we got a little bit of Defenders news. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of cool. I, I feel like it's a little unexpected for me. I mean, we don't have a release date for this, but this is all definitely happening. Like, Iron Fist is still coming in March. Like, this was a huge dump of publicity and photos and excitement for a show that's still, you know, two shows away. It's not the next thing coming. And so I guess I kind of thought that they would give uh, Danny a little space to, like, have his own his own thing go, you know, before they drop something else. But that is not what happened. We got a lot of stuff from the Defenders. So I was excited, but it's uh, surprising, too, you know, that they've, they've gone that way this quickly. For sure. I agree with you. I mean, they dumped all this stuff today, and almost for a second I totally forgot Iron Fist comes out and just over two months, two months and five days or whatever. Nine weeks, I counted. How many minutes? Um, nine weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I just, hopefully they don't market the heck out of the Defenders over the next two months, and so it's almost like Iron Fist is a, a spinoff. You know, I, I don't think they'll do that. Uh, of course, I'm excited. One of my very first articles for MCUX was the uh, yellow shirt, Luke Cage thing, and it turns out it was a gray shirt with just funky lighting. But for <laughs> sure, he's going to have a yellow shirt. So, hey, look at that. I just need to go back and edit it and say I think he'll have a yellow shirt sometime on Netflix. But, yeah, it's it's exciting, you know, seeing, seeing the first I don't want to say clips or whatever, since it wasn't really a trailer, but mm-hmm. seeing them on set and some behind-the-scenes interviews, it was it was certainly exciting. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting that uh, they did give us a little bit of plot detail. And yeah. it kind of sounds like um, Danny and Iron Fist is going to be like the leader of the team and that he's going to kind of be the one to explain to them exactly what's happening um, as far as like. Uh, um, what what's going on with the hand, you know? Like, he's going to be their expert in the hand, which is, um, I mean, that's that's fine. It's a little really different from the comics. I feel like, you know, Daredevil is the hand expert extraordinaire. And so the way that works out will be fascinating. I don't know what it feels like to have the team led by a guy I haven't even met yet, you know? So it'll be... It's going to bring all kinds of weird expectations and evaluations into it for me of how I watch Iron Fist. The whole time I'm going to be like, okay, how do I see him fitting in with the others, you know? Like that expectation seems to be there pretty strongly, so. Definitely. 
how do all four of them meet in a hallway fight? Are they like each fighting their own individual antagonists yeah. in one hallway? Then they like meet in the center of a plus and like, oh, hey guys, what's up? Or like, well, what? the article, the article actually went through and it said that like they're so all four of them are going to be following bre- their own breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. and they're all going to lead them to the same place, which happens to be the same place with the giant unexplained hole in season two of daredevil so they're all gonna end up there following their own leads and they're gonna be in this hallway fight and they made it sound like you know like this guy's over here fighting this guy and this guy's fighting this guy and they all sort of notice that there's some other people fighting the same people but they can't you know like they they don't yeah, they all show up in the same place, fighting together, and then they meet as a team. Now, I mean, I am sure the characters, some of them will meet each other before that. I mean, obviously, Luke and Jessica already know each other intimately. Um, obviously, you know, th- since they showed that Luke is in the jumpsuit, it's possible that Matt will be meeting him before before as Matt Murdock and that's one of the interesting things to me is all these team up pictures they have him as Matt Murdock yeah but they can they can connect in other ways and not even know they're superheroes right like Jessica and Luke knew each other for a period of time before they knew that each other had powers you know it took a couple episodes to get there so I could see Matt and Luke spending time together and neither knows about each other's abilities. And then they bump into each other, you know, at the hole. And it's like, oh, I know you. I didn't know you could do that. So yeah. I also have a theory on why he's dressed up as Matt Murdock in all these pictures. And my theory is that Iron Fist is going to actually get a pretty cool costume. But they can't reveal that yet because Iron Fist hasn't happened. And so the way they got around it was keeping them all in civilian clothes. Yes, I can't wait to see the Iron Fist costume. Yeah, I, I, I hope notice... there's a costume. I don't want him running around in a sweatshirt zipped down to his navel so you can see his tattoo. Like that doesn't sound <laughs> exciting to me. It doesn't. No, but I mean, even if there's not a costume, I expect a ridiculous popped collar. I I, I want like some sort of huge collar. You know, even if it's sort of like um, Luke Cage where. They worked it out through some silly scenario. I want at some point Danny to be somewhere and have this ridiculous popped collar like up over his ears and stuff. Um, so we thought before today that our top news would be a lot of casting stuff. And we want to get into some of that as well. Um, and I'll try to... These are a little bit in reverse order, but uh, it sounds like Peter Dinklage is coming to Infinity War. And... I think a lot of people are assuming he's going to be the character of Pip, um, who's sort of this mystical, uh, I don't even know technically what he is. Is he a troll or something in the original Infinity Gauntlet storyline? Um, other people said, hey, we don't really know that. And So with the idea of Peter Dinklage coming in, do you guys think he's a good addition to the MCU? And do you want to see him in that role or would you like to see him something a little bit different? I love the idea of Peter Dinklage coming to the MCU. I it, I mean, with all the other casting news, it is just an embarrassment of riches right now. Um, 
if he is in something, I hope it's something that can keep going and build and he can keep showing up. I don't have much thoughts on the character, but Adam? Yeah, I, I mean, if he is Pip the Troll, I don't think we'll get him past the two next Avengers films, Infinity War and Avengers 4. Um, but it does mean if he is Pip the Troll, you can't have Pip without Adam Warlock, which we kind of talked about, you know, uh, the last podcast a little bit. I mean, a character such as Adam Warlock's pretty integral to the storyline uh, of the Infinity Gauntlet uh, storybooks, you know. But the only bad thing with that is Vision kind of took his place in the MCU, you know. And uh, in the comics, Warlock was the one with the gym in his head, whereas Vision has it. So, I mean, it really could go either way, but I just... Uh, in the comics, Pip's kind of like... Uh, I don't know. Is he kind of like a herald of Adam Warlock? I, he's kind of a buddy slash... I, I'm not sure if he's a buddy or, or not, but he's very closely associated with Adam Warlock. So, um, yeah. I mean, a, a, an actor as such as Peter Dinklage, you know, that's exciting. I mean, it just proves that top-level talent wants to do MCU movies. Yeah. And I think if it is a short-term part... You know, that's going to happen sometimes to be able to get these great actors and actresses. I mean, maybe Sigourney Weaver is going to be around forever in The Defenders, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is a one-off. You know, I mean, you're not likely to get some of these top-end actors forever. And so I'm okay even if it's a short part. But there's also the possibility that they create the Infinity Watch. If you um, read the comics... um, after the Infinity Gauntlet saga and Thanos is defeated, the Infinity Stones don't disappear. They don't dissolve. And so the way they try to fix the problem of what do we do with these is Warlock and Pip and a bunch of other people all get entrusted with one stone that they kind of hide somewhere or they keep on their person. And they are sort of like the protectorate for the stones. And I think that could be an interesting property for a Phase 4, like an Infinity Gauntlet movie where you get, uh, maybe you bring Vision into that, where you get Warlock and Vision and Pip and maybe one of the Warriors 3 from Thor and it's kind of this weird um, Guardians-esque kind of team-up movie of all these crazy mythical characters. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, so I think there's ways that they could bring a future into it. I don't think it's necessarily uh, a one and done. Uh, continuing on in our conversations about casting, um, the other big one that happened is we believe now that Felicia Rashad is going to be in Black Panther. And I'm just going to let me share for a minute for our listeners how that happened as far as news. We were um, I was hanging out watching or reading through ESPN and I came to the undefeated which is more like the ESPN sub sites and there was this article an interview with Sterling K Brown where he said yeah I'm so excited to work with Michael B Jordan and Felicia Rashad and Forrest Whitaker and I think all of us at MCU exchange at least I was like oh yeah she's been announced before and then we started googling it was like no, she's not been announced before. 
And it appears that Brown kind of spoke out of turn and shared that before he was supposed to. And uh, if you go back now, you'll notice that the, uh, the Undefeated has replaced her name with an ellipsis. Like, there's other content here, but we've edited it out. So Marvel or Brown or somebody apparently got wise about what happened and uh, decided they needed to remove that from the internet quickly. But I think we still think it's definitely happening. And for me, that's just really exciting. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, Bozeman is uh, connected to her. She, he kind of gives her credit for why he started being an actor. Uh, Coogler had her in his last movie. And so I just think uh, it's a great piece of casting, and I'm really excited to see her in it. Um, you guys have any thoughts on like what role she might play or where you think that's headed? Well, wasn't the consensus that she had some sort of role in the Dora Minaj? Or did I just mess up the name of that? Uh, no, I know what you're talking about. I've not heard that. Because yeah. we had some sort of information from a long time ago that there were going to be four strong women in Black Panther. And the Dora Minaj are the protectors of the royal family. And... See, and I'm not as sure, you know, I'm not as familiar with everything on that, but I thought it was that she was going to be one of those protectors. But, I mean, who knows? I, again, embarrassment of riches. Just, this movie is insane. Particularly because she could be, like, a small part. We don't oh, it could be a yet. tiny part, yeah. It, it kind of makes I mean, me think of Benjamin Bratt. Right? Like, he was kind of snuck into Doctor Strange, and he wasn't even, like, that important of a person. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, though, he was a very important plot piece. Right. He just and, didn't have a ton of screen time. Yeah. And there's tons... I mean, you think of Alfred Woodard in Civil War. She had that one little scene with, with Tony Stark... And that, you know, that was probably one day on set, but it you know, was a huge role in the movie. So I could see her having something like that. One of those little bit pieces that otherwise wouldn't have been memorable, but they threw her in and therefore we'll be talking about it at some point. Yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting to see if the reason that they don't want this out, and I think it's fair to say they don't want it out based on the way this whole thing kind of went down. Oh, yeah. Is it just them being Marvel and, like, we don't like anything getting out unless we put it out? Or is there, like, a big secret? Like, something that's going to happen either in a trailer or even that they were hoping that wouldn't come out till the movie where she is a significant character and it's going to be, like oh my gosh, how did that happen? You know, where did she come from? Uh, I just, that's interesting to me, whether it's just Marvel being paranoid or if this is like a big deal, you know? I think it could be something as simple as, you know, they had promised Entertainment Weekly the first set photos of the Defenders. You know, maybe they had promised some other news outlet that they would get to break a big casting news. And that was what they had planned to feed to them and now they can't do it. Black Panther is going to be one hell of a movie. Holy cow. <laughs> it's what well, it's the first movie after Infinity War, right? So Infinity War essentially 
wraps up this, I don't want to say this phase, this era of the MCU, you know, so after that, Black Panther's the next thing we have. In- I don't, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp is. Oh, is it really? It's July 2018, yeah. Well, crap. Anyways, Black <laughs> Panther's still gonna, No, Black Panther's still... I mean, it's still going to be a huge movie. I mean, yeah. going forward, I mean, look at Luke Cage and and uh, how much of a new demographic that brought into the MCU, you know, with the, the African-American demographic, you know. Um, I scroll through Facebook, and, and all these people I know have never watched... Uh, an MCU property before or tune in into Luke Cage and you know, Luke Cage is awesome and you have Method Man doing Bulletproof Love and all that you know it's awesome uh, to see see more and more people get involved with the MCU and and Black Panther man look at that cast <laughs> I mean holy cow it, it doesn't it looks like some sort of Oscar winning independent film you know but it's it's an MCU so let me jump on that real quick as far as like an Oscar winning film. Do you think they're making a mistake by releasing Black Panther in February? Mm, that's a good thought. Because I've heard people talking like, hey, this could be Oscar bait. And oh, look at how great this cast is. And wouldn't it be incredible if this is the thing that you know took the awards by storm? I haven't done the research, but I can't imagine the last time that a movie that came out in February won Best Picture. I mean, almost everything that wins those awards at least waits till summer, if not the fall. And so it just seems like really poor timing if they want to do that. It does. But, I mean, maybe, who knows? It's, of course, it's probably not going to be Best Picture, but even supporting actor, actress, you know, the, the talent involved in the movie is just incredible. And it's certainly we haven't seen, uh, I don't want to say we haven't seen that much talent in one movie. I mean, you, you count Civil War and all that stuff, but... For, for a movie like Black Panther. Imagine Cap, the first Avenger, having a cast, you know, every single person in it so far is a, a superstar, you know? Also, if we look at the award season, Deadpool came out on Valentine's Day. And it is still remembered this award season. You know, it got Golden Globe nominations. It's getting WGA nominations. Um I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it got something in the Oscars nominations. And it was a February movie. So, and it's probably the closest thing. You know, they're going to be very, very different in tone. But people obviously remember Deadpool when it came time for award season. Yeah, I just wish it was in the, um, like, November time slot. Yeah. Like, if they'd been able to push it up a little bit for November of... Um, I guess it's November of... Oh, they couldn't have fit it because of Thor Ragnarok. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just would have been nice if it had been a little more traditional Oscar season just to help them out on that stuff. You know, like, let's not create more obstacles than necessary. But um, it is what it is. The next casting thing that we've got here on the list, um, we're starting to learn a little bit more about Infinity War... Uh, we think we have confirmation that Tom Holland is going to be in it, which doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, apparently he told Vogue in Italy that this was happening, and we're all hoping that Google Translate is getting that correct. Uh, we heard this week that Zoe Saldana is going to be back as Gamora in Infinity War. And then the really weird one is 
um, I think a newspaper that was talking about them filming in Scotland said that Liv Tyler is actually supposed to be back. Do you want to see Liv Tyler again in an MCU movie? I still have no idea where they were getting that. You know, if if that newspaper. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't just a newspaper. It was the Daily Record, which is pretty big. But you know, were they just naming a bunch of names that they thought people might recognize that came from MCU movies, or do they really know that Liv Tyler is coming? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I barely remember. I haven't gone back and rewatched some of the early Hulk stuff. So I don't know. Maybe I want to see more of her and just don't know it. I had kind of assumed when they created the uh, romance between Black Widow and Hulk that we were done with Liv Tyler. Like that was the uh, seal that she's not coming back. So I'm really surprised to see it and I kind of doubt that it's true. But If you put her in Infinity War, you gotta have like a Netflix person or something. What, she, uh, when did the Hulk come out? Almost 10 years ago, hasn't it been? Uh, pretty close. It was 08. It's it's crazy. I mean, if they bring her back, I mean, you you might as well count every single person we've ever seen in the MCU before back. Um, who knows? I maybe may, maybe it's just her. Hopefully, they don't add you know Grant Ward in it. But uh, it's just yeah, I was kind of shocked to see with Tyler coming back. Any, as far as any other new stuff, uh, we do have a filming date for Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is cool, but um, not a whole lot to share there. We knew that movie's coming. I think we'll expect some casting for that pretty soon. So, uh, Let's take a moment here to do what we do sometimes as far as catching up with the TV ratings and such. And uh, we wanted to do it today because there's actually some pretty good news uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returned for their second pod of season uh, four, and the ratings are up. Um, in the demo, they're up about 8%, and they're up about 15% in overall viewers, which is a big jump. Uh, I'm a little surprised that they took a month-long break, and that's what happened, but it's great to see. Uh, it was their most viewers since the episode back in September, which was like peak, let's see what Ghost Rider looks like, you know, part of the season. So I don't know if that's, do you guys think that's the ML, LMDs, like people are excited about that, or do you think there's just a hunger for something to watch in the doldrums of January? Uh, do you have any idea why these ratings would have popped or any theories on what's going on there? I just know my own excitement. And for some reason, the LMD arc seemed like a refreshing change. They, they did a good job transitioning over to that arc. And I think everybody sort of had time to catch up over the holidays. So maybe that was it. Like over the holidays, people were finally catching up and ready to watch live. That's really interesting to me because that um, suggests that this pod concept where they break a season into three mini seasons is actually a really good idea. That people were waiting to watch until Ghost Rider was done and they heard that he sort of had a finale for his section. And so over Christmas they watched the Ghost Rider pod 
And you're like, hey, I'm caught up now. Uh, but yeah, no, I like uh, I like this pod thing. It almost it, it almost did have a substantially different feel than than the whole Ghost Rider pod. You know, of course, at the end of the last one, we did see Ada flip over and become a villain. I guess you could call her. Um, but this one, I mean, right out of the gate, she's beating people up and trying to steal stuff and and all that. Uh, of course, we saw Senator Nadir and her brother back in there. and I think it does have a different feel. You know, of course, maybe the ratings are up because the, the diehard comic fans, you know, wanted to give it another shot, you know, because LMDs are uh, as old as S.H.I.E.L.D. itself. You know, maybe even in the first appearance of Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. Day, they were making LMDs at Nick Fury. So, and comic-wise, I mean, LMDs have been around forever. So maybe that's it. Another good benefit was, I don't think the D, uh, DCCW show has come back for, what, two more weeks? Maybe next week a couple or the week after that. Um, so maybe that was it, you know. Um, obviously, it doesn't. the time slot doesn't interfere with any of the DC shows, but maybe... The DC fans were like, eh, I can't watch Flash or Arrow for a couple more weeks, so I might as well tune in and see what it's about. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting in that, you know, we've kind of talked some, I think, on this show, and I've heard a lot in other conversations, that people are getting accustomed to the HBO model or the um, A&E model or the Netflix model where they're getting eight episodes or ten episodes or 13 episodes and, like, the 22 episode major network thing doesn't make sense anymore and if I, I just think this is really clever and I think they deserve a lot of credit if the producers of S.H.I.E.L.D. said you know we're moving to an 8 episode season world and ABC is not going to give us a contract for 8 episodes so let's just go ahead and cut ours into 3 pieces and let's just produce 8 different seasons all at once you know, like if that's their thinking, I think that's really smart, um, particularly because they knew they were going to get these breaks in between. We did get confirmation in the last week or two that they're going to try to do this LMD thing all together. And then we're going to have like another mini hiatus. And I just I think that's all very smart and very clever. And I couldn't be happier that the ratings are responding to that, you know. Absolutely. Once they announced the Inhumans coming out, you know, I instantly thought there's no way they could keep shield and do in humans but i think it's picking up steam for a fifth season you know i think we even had a article this week about it um i hope so you know this lmd plot so far has been pretty intense even though we've only seen <laughs> the one hour but i'm liking it hopefully it's around um i'll watch it well let's go ahead and take that and just parlay this into our um, our weekly Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. mission report. We kind of talk about the episode. We're not going to review all of it. If you want to see the episode, go watch it online. It was good. But for you guys, what were the highlights, lowlights? Uh, what was your takeaways from this week of S.H.I.E.L.D. and this this kind of new storyline? Um, I, 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 Mac and Yo-Yo. I... You know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, they're making fun of themselves by Mac saying, you know, the robots are taking, you know, always take over. And, and then Mac and Yo-Yo, you're like teaming up. And like, after about the third reference of, oh my God, these people didn't realize the robots will always attack. 
I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is a little much. Like, come on, guys. And to see their subplot, like, just sort of evolve into, at the end, them having their little romantic evening watching killer robot movies. I just loved that little subplot. That was my favorite part of this episode. Yeah, I actually loved that they were making all those robot jokes. Because my, like, my big thing is that's what I've been shouting from my couch all season long. How do you idiots not know that the robot's going to go bad? And so to have one of the characters on the show, like, acknowledge kind of that concept and how ridiculous it is, it kind of just, like, I'm forgiving them now for it being kind of a trope. Because at least they, like, winked at themselves and said, yeah, they probably should have known that the robot was going to go bad. So I was so happy that they they did it. I didn't think it was too much at all because it's just been so blaringly obvious for eight episodes, you know? Well, and then turning it into, like, Mac having this long fear of being attacked by killer robots. (laughs) And, I mean, that was just, it was the places that they took this meta you know the front one little reference i was like oh that's pretty meta you know but just the places they took it i i was really impressed that was kudos to shield yeah we got we got like the i don't want to call it a movie crossover but a movie reference within the first couple of minutes with the whole chitari invasion so that was cool um definitely not a fan of senator Dendir. um I don't think her brother is Grid, like we had originally speculated. Um, Grid the Inhuman. Um, yeah, some more shotgun axe action. We are already to, uh, spoiler alert, Ada 2.0. Um, I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, how many Adas are we going to go through? I, I'm thinking at least, what, one per episode probably? So by the time this pod wraps up, we're probably going to be on Ada 8.0 or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when they introduced LMDs, I mean, I think almost every single person said this isn't going to end up good. And out of, you know, everyone that said Ada was going to go bad, what, 85 90% of them thought that Holden Radcliffe was going to be the, the big bad guy. Right, Which yeah. uh, was pretty much... Um, obviously now he is you know so we'll see what they go on i mean it's just it's, why would you let a robot read the dark hold you know you're not gonna let people do it and you just watch ultron kill what so many people what a year ago or whatever you know what are you doing you know but who knows at least they're kind of poking fun on the show about it i do think director base is starting to loosen up almost a too much you know sliding off i don't want to say sliding off the rails quite yet but uh daisy's back um yeah could you believe that they that they cut ada's head off that surprised that surprised me i was caught off guard i guess you're allowed to do that on network tv if it's a robot but like i thought that that was actually pushing like a censorship like Line like I just didn't think decapitation was excess like allowable on network television. So when it happened, I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> 10 p.m. time slot. Here we are." No kidding. That surprised the heck out of me. You know, that came out of nowhere, but uh, that was good. I mean, after uh, The Walking Dead 
got away with what they got away with in their season premiere this year. Obviously, it's on AMC and not uh, network TV, but holy cow, I, I think we could see some more stuff. And I mean, it's a pl- as a plot point, it surprised me as well, because for some reason, I didn't see the idea of there being Ada 2.0, which I realized I totally should have. That's what, like, at the end of this episode, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally should have seen all of that coming and didn't. And I enjoyed being surprised. Because it never crossed my mind that Radcliffe... Well, I mean, you know, in the past few episodes, it didn't cross my mind that Radcliffe would still be a bad guy. I just hope with Radcliffe being the bad guy, I just hope Leo doesn't break bad and and go over. You know, it, it almost seemed like he was... Not, I don't want to say heartbroken, but it's sad that Ada got her head chopped off. You know, obviously he's he's a scientist and he wants to see the uh, furtherment of technology, um, advancement of technology. Um, I don't think they would make him bad, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I'm a little. I don't know. I'm a little nervous to see this going forward. Just as far as. Um, May trapped in the closet forever does not seem fun to me. The like, when will they discover LMD May thing? I think could get tedious. I was thinking we teased before that like this is the second time that May has been like replaced by an imposter on the show, but it looks like next week we're gonna get the second episode in a season where we have the like, is May going to die from a medical emergency kind of storyline, and it's like, can we just let her kick? But like this is what her character is so great at and she disappeared last season and now she's like drugged up in a closet like at some point can we just have may at full may and enjoy it you know yeah the one thing i did think was interesting though was the exchange between uh lmd may and ada in the bottom hallway it almost seemed as if LMD May was had the mannerisms of real May, I guess. Um, I'm not sure if that was all for show or because I think Phil was knocked out at that point, but I'm not sure if they're doing it for the cameras or what. I think I she doesn't know that she's an LMD. Like Ada is self aware of her nature, but I don't think the May is. Ooh, I like that. Because, you know, like she seemed shocked when she pulled out the tablet and powered her down. And then when she woke back up, she's like, I was fighting her, and then now I was just asleep, and I don't know what was going... You know, and, like, Coulson, being a dope in that situation, was like, oh, I know, same thing happened to me. And it's like, well, no, that's not what she's saying. But I, I really don't think that LMD May is aware that she's a fake. That is interesting. Here is... Might be the biggest conflict of the season. Agent Phil Coulson has to... Pick between LMD, LMD May and Real May for who he wants to pursue a relationship with. So he's going on this path with with Fake May. What happens if he gets too attached and the Real May comes back and says, "Chill, what, what's going on, man?" No? <laughs> well, yeah, or she seems a little more aggressive too, like of pursuing a relationship. And he's just like, you know what, Real May is just she's been dragging her feet too long. You know, like, love the one you're with. I don't care if she's a robot. Let's go. You know. Hey, man. Vision and Scarlet Witch had kids in the comics, so anything's possible in the MCU. That is true. 
All right, let's go <laughs> on that note. Well, uh, so send all of your tweets about now. robot yeah. procreation. <laughs> I've got so many thoughts now because I'm like, well, I mean, like, how did she absorb all of May's personality and everything? And if they did that somehow by mapping May's mind, are we learning things that are in May's subconscious? You know, like if she if if she got her personality from mapping May's mind because of Ada's skills in the Darkhold, then is fake May just sort of acting the way May always wants to act and therefore revealing some hidden secrets? Hmm. I think the the answer to that is we just need to go on an adventure and uh, find the Darkhold for ourselves. And look Definitely. Up the and look I'm up in. Subconscious transfusions or something, whatever. Page 97. I'm in. I mean, they were talking about how Ada wasn't supposed to have certain, like, negative emotions. And it strikes okay. me that if that's the real difference between an LMD and a real person, it, it says that, like, the thing that holds back May from pursuing a relationship with Coulson is all the bad stuff that's happened in her life. The Calvary experience... Uh, losing, you know, her husband to becoming a um, lash, you know, like the, that stuff is what's holding her back. And if you create a version of her that does not have all those negative emotions, then there's nothing in the way of her pursuing Coulson. That's kind of the way I read that, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's, I like that. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our main discussion for the evening. Um, and we just want to take a little time to talk about all the TV shows that's going into development. Um, the news here, it's kind of weird to me because it's not big news, but it is big news. Um, Netflix has been going for a while. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been going a while, for a while. But we haven't had like kind of brand new TV ventures on new networks for some time. And there's been these shows that have been sort of gestating for a while, getting ready to come out. And this last week, we saw that there's going to be um, three shows hitting production pretty much all at the same time. And they're going to be on three different networks with sort of three different delivery models. And I think that's just really cool. And so we just wanted to talk um, a little bit about those things. So uh, we'll do them one at a time. What do you guys want to talk about first? Inhumans or Runaways or Cloak and Dagger? Inhumans. Inhumans. Awesome. So, uh, I forget, this one's starting in March. I think you wrote up that article, Adam. Uh, March in Chicago and L.A., is that right? Yes, March. No date, no week, but March. March between Chicago and L.A. When I originally thought about that, I'm like, between Chicago and L.A.? So they're going to film in, like, the Midwest, America? <laughs> in Montana. <laughs> Why? What's there to film in Nebraska? for filming. <laughs> But no, Chicago and L.A. they'll be filming in. And we got the uh, character breakdowns, which were almost painfully obvious. Um, yeah, we're getting closer. What, eight months until we see the Inhumans? Holy cow. Yeah, and I feel like the character breakdowns were just like... They just told us that we are getting what we always wanted. They're not going to bait and switch us. We're not going to get a bunch of these new human, inhuman characters from recent runs. You know, they're not going to bother us with people like Grid and Iso and 
these new characters that we don't know as well. This is going to be the royal family, and it's going to be explicitly on like those seven or eight characters. And to me, that's just exciting. You know, they're not going to mess with it. They're going to do it right. And so I think that's, I think that's really fun, and I'm really excited. Um, people may know that like the Inhumans is my kind of favorite Marvel property at this point, and so I could not be more ecstatic just to see you know what happens with this going forward. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the other thing about the Inhumans that I find interesting is this idea that they are filming in Chicago. Uh, I thought this thing would be almost completely on like green screen and on studio stages. And I don't think they're taking the cast to Chicago so they could use a Chicago green screen versus an L.A. green screen. And so that tells me that there's going to be some exterior shots, something outdoors that's going to happen in Chicago. And that's fascinating to me. Like, I just want to know what that means. Are they going to try to get Chicago to be a stand-in for Adeline at some of the time? Like, I just... That's the, like, big thing that piqued my curiosity about all that news. To me, so, that says they're going to have a lot of really urban-looking... Yeah, they, they need a city that looks like a city that isn't already... You know, they already use New York a lot... And they use Atlanta for a lot of just general city scenes. So to me, that says they needed another just good city shots. Yeah, but um, where the Inhumans live is so futuristic. Like, I don't know if you can just use like a city street in Chicago for their like home base, you know. And so I don't know if there's going to be interaction with the real world or what that looks like. I just think that's really interesting. Hmm. So, Rhiannon, we know that you're a big fan of Runaways. Um, For our listeners that may not know Runaways, we might have fans that are kind of MCU fans but don't know the comics as well. Um, Just tell us a little bit about what that property is and why you're kind of so excited about it. So, Runaways, I had never heard of Runaways before the TV show was announced Um, several, you know, six months ago or I don't know, however long ago it was that they announced Runaways. But it is a series that takes place on the West Coast and this is when they're actually filming in LA. And it is kids. It's going to be on Hulu. And it's these kids and basically they find out that their parents are evil. And they sort of run away and form a gang and they all have some sort of powers and they're they're left to discover their powers and such and I have to say you know I just you know, like oh, I'm one that like I came to the MCU from the television movie side and then started reading comics because I wanted to know more about it all and I have a friend that did it at the same time, and she read The Runaways, and she was like, y- you really need to read... These are really good. These comics are some of the best as far as you get to the end, and there is a twist, and it surprises you, and it's good. And you get to the next comic, and at the end, there's a twist, and you just never saw that coming. The first volume of Runaways, I got through in no time. It's wonderful. And so I am so excited about this show because I think it'll be fresh. I think they'll be able to do it with minimal tie-ins to the rest of the universe that will make sense. 
because the comic itself takes place on the West Coast and they are sort of isolated from all the other characters. Um, Yet these kids have great personalities and just the plots and the, the situations that they get into and it all is so good. So there's so much potential there. And we really thought because it's on Hulu and Hulu was going to be at the TCAs last weekend, we thought we would get like real runaways news, like maybe a premiere date or something, because we really don't know how long Hulu takes to film these things and then put them on screen. Uh, They do do the like one episode a week release. So it's not like Netflix where we have to wait until they film the whole season and then start premiering it. But uh, we didn't get that, but we did get the announcement that they're going to start filming in February in L.A. So a little bit of something of Runaways moving forward. And hopefully that means we get some casting news soon. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm really excited about with Runaways is just that it's kind of isolated, like you talked about. And I think that's worked for things like Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Netflix thing. Like... As much as we say we want the interconnected stuff, sometimes it really helps a project, particularly early on, to be able to breathe and not have to be super interconnected. And Runaways, for most of its existence as a comic, has been kind of its own thing. And so I think they'll be able to do that really well. Um, I think the real big question will be the cast, because they're going to need some younger actors, maybe even teenaged actors, but they want someone who's good, you know, and someone who has some ability with uh, their craft. And so I think I think that'll be really the interesting thing here as, as we go on as the casting stuff. Well, and I think filming in L.A., I mean, that's one thing about shows based in L.A. and New York. You have a really strong pool of actors to choose from versus, you know, like filming in Chicago you know, where you're needing local acting pool you don't have as many career actors and actresses. And so hopefully being in LA, they'll be able to get some good child actors that can really pull it off. Adam, do you have much experience with Runaways? I know somewhat about it. You know, uh, speaking of the comics, you know, I'd say they're probably some of the most critically acclaimed comics uh, of recent as Marvel, you know, they were created by Runaways was created by Brian K. Vaughn, and nearly everything he touches is gold. You know, um, his saga runs amazing, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm interested too to see if we can get um, really good quality at Hulu. You know, like Netflix was kind of one foray into that, and this will be another. Um, as they diversify into more networks and stuff, I think that, that'll just be one other interesting piece. Oh, yeah, and it comes to the territory, you know, with the territory. You know, you t- was talking earlier about the, it's all connected and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I think moving forward, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. references the Chitari and, you know, Ben Urich had newspapers hanging up in his wall. You know, I, I think it's moving more towards... Uh, crossovers like that uh, hence you know mentions of that you know moving forward I mean I'm still holding out hope for uh, 
you know, Wong showing up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Fitz showing up in Infinity War or something like that. But uh, it'll be interesting. I don't think I've ever watched a Hulu original. Um, so it will be interesting with how it ends up. Yeah, the only thing I've seen from them is uh, 11 the James Franco JFK yeah. assassination show, which I kind of hated, but I don't know if that was their fault. <laughs> See, I was just saying, I, I just watched that because I have my Hulu and I've been working through the Hulu you know, library. And I actually enjoyed, you know, I, as far as production quality and all of that, it was fine. Yeah, I, I, I mean, agree. who knows how they'll be able to do with special effects and a dinosaur and, you know, whatever comes with runaways. But I. And, and the thing is, like, if they are having a hard time sharing characters and sharing plot lines across platforms, then yay, this is one that we won't be frustrated because they're not sharing those characters. It is interesting that the characters they could most share is actually our last show to talk about, which is Cloak and Dagger over on Freeform. Because there is yeah. some interaction between those two shows, you know, historically. I'm really interested to see how much they make different or the same. Because uh, the storyline's kind of edgy. It's like two teenage homeless kids that become superheroes because they, like, test these drugs on them. And there's stuff about, like... Um, cultural issues and racial issues and like drug use in the 80s and all that kind of stuff which to me seems really heavy for freeform even if they're starting to like edge a little more mature on that network and so I think it'll be really interesting to see where they go um, also this is being filmed in New Orleans right yes I assume yes. you're not shooting in New Orleans to make it look like New York City. Like, if you're in New Orleans, it's probably going to be set there as well, right? Yeah, if you're in New Orleans, it's for it to be New Orleans. They don't have the tax credits anymore. So, you're in New Orleans for a reason. So, that's just weird to me because it's just such a big dis, um, departure from the original comic material that I just think it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, this is, for me, the very first show where I'm kind of scared that Marvel is going to let a network do stupid stuff to a property. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's fair, but, like, I'm afraid that they're going to, like, teenage drama angst this thing, you know, out the wazoo and make it really sappy and romantic and I don't know. This one is the one that makes me most nervous of these shows is as being just weird or poor quality. Do you guys have one of these shows that you're really more excited about, less excited about? Well, I just, I mean, as far as Cloak and Dagger being in New Orleans, I, I to have a gritty location where you have two kids and I mean, you know, like older teenagers or whatever that are on drugs and living on the streets and you're trying to create a realistic scenario. I, I lived in New Orleans. I love New Orleans. I think it's probably one of the best locations to pull that off and make it realistic. Yeah. You know, it's an area where you do have 18, 19 year olds like on the street playing guitars and stuff, trying to get some money just on every corner. Um, so I, 
And it's a wonderful city. I love any show with New Orleans in the background. So that gets me even more excited about it. But most excited, Runaways. Yeah. Everything comes back to Darkhawk. I can't believe it. Uh, Cloak has has some affiliations with Darkhawk. Darkhawk's been in the Runaways and stuff. So that is my dream. But no, I'm excited for both of them. I can't remember the last time I even turned on ABC Family or Freeform. I'm really trying to think. I think they used to show Runaways at Who's Line. Is it anyway, way back in the day? (laughs) Maybe that's been it. But yeah, that does make me quite nervous. Um, I would guess it's probably going to be like a high school, teenage thing. Um, But hopefully it's still pretty good in terms of Cloak and Dagger. Runaways, I don't, you know, I have the utmost faith in Runaways. It's just kind of cloak and day or what they're thinking you know and they the special effects there so cloak and dagger they're getting the same budget as the netflix shows right yeah i was amazed by that but yeah. i guess so so be maybe cloak and dagger is going to be awesome you know dagger uh or cloak has some darkness type powers you know he can like link up to the uh another dimension and black everything out and transport and things like that so it is going to be uh effects heavy when it comes to his powers you know but where are, are we going to see them in their powers or are we going to see them when they're teenagers before they link up and go on crime fighting duo adventures together um that remains to be seen yeah i think i probably my biggest I guess the reason I have concern for it is the MCU is expanding. And this is really ultimately good news. And as they keep doing more and more genres and more and more new and different things, eventually they're going to do something I don't like because I just don't like the genre. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, it's just, I guess, me being not selfish enough to say, hey, it's okay for Marvel to make a show that I'm not into but is reaching a demographic, you know, that's not me. And so I think it's probably a good thing for the network. It's just, uh, you know, if we get more Marvel stuff, I want it to be something I really like. So, Well, this is crazy. So Marvel's made a feature-length film with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're getting Runaways and Cloak and Dagger TV shows. With those three things, I mean, anything's possible. Your wildest dreams... Are possible for Marvel. I mean, think uh, no, literally no character is out of bounds. Obviously, Fantastic Four and and X. <laughs> but besides that, I mean, you can think of some Z-list character, and they very well could have a cameo or starring role some days. It's crazy. Who would have thought when Iron Man came out, we would you know, be where we are today, having a TV show on Freeform. Jeez. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, and that's the cool thing is that like, they're just going to keep making different stuff. Uh, I was listening to another podcast today and they're just talking about like, eventually we're going to get a Marvel horror movie, you know, like we're just going to keep getting different and unusual stuff. And it's, um, it's just cool, you know? Like, it's what's nice is that everybody has their own little thing. And so while I may not be real into Cloak and Dagger, 
I'm ecstatic about in humans on the IMAX, you know, so we're all we're all getting taken care of, uh, except for maybe Moon Knight fans. Everybody's pretty happy, so <laughs> the moon poor Moon Knight fans. I'm sorry you guys. It's They're happening at some point. A beleaguered bunch. Yeah. Uh, so I mean let's transition that. I don't know if it'll death transition or not, but uh, the other thing that came up in the television conversations is this mysterious uh, John Ridley project. And one of the things that we've been trying to do on the podcast is a little uh, daydreaming about what could be in the MCU. And we've kind of called it, uh, if I was Kevin Feige or if I was Jeff Loeb, what would I do? And so this time we're going to target kind of that rumor and that show. We don't know anything about this John Ridley project. Marvel has done a fantastic job of just clamping down the info. And so our question for the segment this time is, if you were Jeff Loeb, what would you be trying to get John Ridley to develop for Marvel? Uh, Adam, go ahead, go first. Oh, man. I don't know. I want to say Darkhawk, but he's not doing that. Uh, No, I don't. I think something that... I don't know how to say it. it's something that kind of brings up the issues of or brings up the uh, puts the spotlight on issues we have in today's society uh, you know someone in the uh, slack chat said miss Marvel you know Kamala Khan you know I mean maybe uh, I mean obviously it's only a matter of time before we see her in the MCU you know but I mean I re- I have, when it comes down to it, I mean, there's zero hints. There's, there's a whole lot of nothing. Um, I mean, uh, to be honest, I was still surprised when it came out that he's still working on something. You know, it was how long have we known? Uh, two years that he's been developing something. So, if he's been working on it the whole time, it should be something awesome. Yeah, I think they maybe were surprised that American Crime did as well as it did. Um, you know, I think that maybe has taken more of his time than they thought uh, when they started this. Yeah, so I have two ideas that I think would be interesting. We know that, that he's talking about this as something that kind of subverts kind of the traditional comic book thing. And so the two things that I think would be interesting, uh, one would be if he actually did a version of Moon Knight. I think that there could be something really interesting there about mental health and you know like if you do a Moon Knight show not falling into like um, these sort of you know this guy's crazy tropes would be kind of important and trying to do it in an interesting and respectful way I think could be fascinating uh, though it seems like maybe Legion is going to do some of that on FX uh, on the uh, non-MCU Marvel side but the thing I would really like to see is I think it'd be cool if he did a version of um, Thunderbolts uh, that kind of just like asks this question of if lots of people were getting superpowers, if there's Inhumans running around, what happens when like someone who's just down on their luck and just needs to make their rent gets a superpower? And you know, is where's the line where it's evil or not evil? You know, like, what would it mean if we had heroes that had really bad ulterior motives for why they were heroes? Because they keep talking about this show kind of 
flipping things upside down. And so a show where the good guys are basically bad guys, I think would be a fascinating way to do it, you know? Um, so I think that would be something kind of fun for him to develop. Um, but thus far, Marvel has given us no details whatsoever. All right, guys. Well, I think it's about time for us to wrap up. Um, so as far as the podcast goes, we will be back with you next week. We'll talk about the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're expecting to see lots and lots of casting stuff coming soon. You can't film three television shows at the same time about four weeks from now and not have casting news. So that will be exciting. And we'll try to keep things uh, just moving along. If you have suggestions for ways to improve our show, please let us know. Uh, you could try the hashtag MCUXPod, M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D, or um, leave comments when we post it on the website, or give us feedback on iTunes. All of that would be great. Um, so that's all I've got for tonight. Um, so we will see you guys later. Uh, bye. Bye.